You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Hello, and welcome to the next LCMS Mission Field USA podcast. I'm Steve Shave, director of LCMS Church Planting. Also with me today is our co-host, Mark Larson, who serves as the LCMS manager of church planting. And today our special guest is the Reverend Todd Kohlbaum, who serves in the LCMS Office of National Mission as the director of Small Town Ministry. It might seem like this is an odd place for us to be talking about small towns, but it is a topic that also affects all of our church planters, and that is how to fund the mission. And in this case, uh, Todd is one of our subject matter experts on co-vocational ministry. And so welcome, Todd. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be with you. So, Todd, we know that some church planters find themselves in need of funding sources, and sometimes that will be co-vocational. But you wanted to start us off today to talk about, you know, our resources that we have out there that use Witness, Mercy, and Life together as kind of the framework for doing new church. But we use Luther's Marks also as how do we identify the DNA of what makes church church? And for those of you uh, listeners who are unfamiliar with that, it's basically uh, a breakdown of witness, mercy, life together in the fact that witness means the holy word of God is what drives everything we do. Our life together in the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of the altar, our life together in the office of keys being exercised publicly. Luther also talks about our life together being built around calling pastors to do this work, and in our case, church planters or mission developers. Also, in our witness and our life together, we have prayer, public praise, thanksgiving to God. You see it all throughout Scripture, where the first thing they do when they get to their landing spot, they pull up an altar and they call upon the name of God from the very beginning of church planting. Then also in our witness and life together, Luther talks about the possession of the sacred cross, how it's a holy possession. There's no way to avoid that the cross will be there because as church planters and core groups that are planting churches, we know that we will bear the cross to do that. And then finally, one of the outcomes of all those marks that Luther brings up is mercy, and that is the Christian life of loving our neighbor. That naturally extends from our word and sacrament ministry. So Todd, get us kicked off here. How does our vocation as a mission developer fit with all these marks of what makes the church? Yeah, I I recognize that this might sound like it's uh, maybe out of order. We usually start these conversations, especially when we're talking about people who are co-vocational or bivocational, however you want to refer to it. we start out with really just talking about funding. And I, I think when we do that, when we, when we put our, our funding sources or our funding plans or ideas at the forefront of our conversation, sometimes we lose track of what we're really in this about and, and for. And so that's why when I, when I was thinking about uh, this discussion today, I really wanted to place this first because uh, we want to keep 
Well, as the old saying goes, the main thing, the main thing. Why are we getting into this church planning endeavor in the first place? And that is to to bring to bear all of these things, to bring the word of God to the people uh, among whom we want to plant this this uh, ministry. And so a lot of times, again, it starts out with mercy work and loving the neighbor and then using that as the springboard to be able to start to do the other uh, marks of the church and, and uh, proclaiming that word of God. But unless we keep our eyes focused on that, it's awfully easy, especially in a co-vocational situation, to get down in the weeds and to lose sight of why we're truly doing this. So main main focus is the word of God, bringing that word of God, having the cross come to bear upon everything that we do. And, and from there, then we can start to formulate our plan, that funding plan of how we're going to fund the mission and how we're going to do this work. Very good. And that is kind of our intersection point between our work, whether it's in the inner city or in our small towns. You know, a lot of times there are struggles in terms of how to continue to fund the mission. And we've come up with some creative ideas, and Todd has done some really good work there. Also, though, when we want to bring this anew to a new location, uh, funding is just one of the things that needs to be considered. So, Todd, talk a little bit about funding the mission. Well, there's so many different ways and, and ways that we can develop funding streams. And especially, you know, we could get way off topic today and start talking about a lot of things for revitalization of congregations and, and trying to bring funding streams into existing ministries. But specifically with church planning, you know, there's there's really uh, a couple of, I guess, sort of old time models where you would have some sort of funding coming from perhaps a circuit forum. You would have some funding coming out of an existing congregation. You would have some funding perhaps even from the district or, or from you guys. And so there, there's a pool of money that's there, but very rarely does that cover the funding of the entire mission or allow the church planner to come in and, uh, and focus his work solely in one direction and be able to keep things moving forward. So I think the, We've had to be more creative as we've looked into the future and whether we're looking at planning in a, in an urban or suburban area or there's plenty of, of church planning opportunities, like you said, Steve, out in, in rural and small town areas as well, as well as looking at there's, there's a big movement now on what we're, they're, uh, calling it replanting, going back into an area maybe where we once served, but we've lost our presence there uh, over time. And so these are some places where we can get a little more creative. And the idea of adopting a co-vocational strategy or uh, using uh, a a job to fund the work of the uh, the church planner, uh, a job separate from from the actual church that he would be planning, uh, is a way that they can, quite frankly, just live, literally make a living, and yet have the freedom to be able to do the church planning work that would. Uh, that would otherwise need to be taking place, and and while they they may have some split. Um, affinity, if you will, uh, the eye again is always on how can we use this funding stream to make the things happen that need to happen? 
So we all have multiple vocations and we understand that we have different callings in life. And for church planters, they're typically entrepreneurial guys. They've had some experience uh, out in the public realm. They're probably, you know, um, a little bit more uh, mature and that they're married and have children so many times. So uh, these are guys that are used to uh, being flexible, uh, that have taken some risk in the past. But as you think about it, even with, you know, COVID happening, that's even going to be more difficult for a startup right now. It's going to be even less money in the offering plate. And this might be just an initial strategy. It might not be something that has to go on beyond just the startup, hopefully, uh, when things start to bounce back. But talk a little bit more, Todd, about the idea of another vocation. So you're a dad, you're a pastor that's starting a church. How do you tie that into another vocation? Why do we call it uh, co-vocational instead of bivocational? Yeah, I think uh, just to back up just a little bit, Steve, I, you made a really good point that, that I wanted to emphasize. Uh, you mentioned maybe this doesn't go on past the, the initial uh, work to get the thing going, this plant going. Uh, I think any time we're looking at co-vocational strategies, we always want to look at it as this is what we're going to do for now until we can get this thing up going full time and full speed. Now, that might be a short time into the future, that might be a long time into the future, but we never think otherwise. So whether you're doing co-vocational ministry uh, in an existing congregation or you're, you're using it to be able to function and uh, functionally plan a church, I think you always want to look at it as a temporary situation. We're going to work ourselves out of this as we move forward. So I, I really, I was glad you made that point. So I wanted to jump on that while the while the the idea was still fresh. But yeah, I think the idea of of co-vocational makes a big difference. And I a long time ago, um, probably when I was very first at the seminary, and I was one of those older, mature guys. Yeah, I, you know, I was in my thirties then. Uh, that seems like a long time ago, but uh, I, as a as an older, more mature guy with second career, uh, there was a lot of conversations about uh, the time we put in and how we get our work done and how much work we have to get done as a pastor. And, and some conversations revolving around things like church planning and things of that nature and, and carrying out the ministry and mission. And a lot of it revolved back on, at least the conversations that, that we were having, revolved back on as we want to integrate our uh, our membership or those folks to, to whom we are ministering, um, we have to always remember that they are co-vocational too. So they're dads, they have a job, whether it's in a secular setting or, or whatever the case may be, they have a job that earns their living and we expect them to do the work of the ministry as well. So it's not that far out of the realm that we would do the same as a church planner, at least in the onset, so that we can uh, carefully and intentionally balance all those vocations that the Lord has given us. Um, I, I, I just recently read a, a, a little blurb about how uh, so many people are afraid uh, for their children at this time because they're, you know, we, we're bringing up children, especially new babies. You know, they're coming into a world with COVID and, and pandemic lockdowns and turmoil and all of this stuff. And, and I read a response to that just the other day that, that reminded me of this. They, they said, just remember, 
that the Lord brought this person into the world at this particular time, and he will equip them to do what they need to do, what he's calling them to do. And this is speaking specifically of Christian parents. Uh, for this time in which he is bringing him into the world. So trust the Lord to do that. It's the same kind of uh, rationale for us as we look at being a co-vocational church planner. We can remember that if I, if I truly believe in the calling, then I am trusting the Lord that he is going to use me, uh, in the ways that, uh, that he has placed in front of me. So if I, if I can get a secular job, uh, that whereby I can, I can earn a living. I can, I can be a good dad. I can be a good husband, but I can also carry out the functions of mission and ministry that need to happen for this church plant. There, I have the opportunity to balance that. And it might not always seem like it's in balance. Um, but I think that's taking a mature Christian approach to it, where you look at the Lord is calling me to do this thing for this time. And, and that's a good thing. Thanks be to God for that. Yeah, so what you're basically saying then, from what I'm hearing, is that it's not so much bivocational that they're completely split apart, that I'm just kind of doing this on the side. The hope is if it's co-vocational, that would mean that not only am I going to uh, serve in ministry as a mission developer, but also whatever other vocation I take on to help with uh, providing for my family, can also lead to ministry opportunities. So wherever I, we'll talk about what types of co-vocation makes sense, but what we're saying is that to be co-vocational means that both of those vocations serve God, God willing, as you said, but they also um, don't conflict. It's actually something that will maybe even enhance your opportunity to witness to others and draw them into the church. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. I, you, you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think we can ever so compartmentalize uh, ministry in that I have these certain office hours and I am a pastor during these certain office hours. And outside of that, I have this time of the day when I'm just dad and this time of day when I'm just husband. It, it doesn't work that way <laughs> uh, as, as maybe nice and clean as that would be. Um, but I don't think we'd want it to work that way. You make a great point when you say we have these mission opportunities all the time in, in, all of our vocational callings. So whether it's his dad, of course, I, it's obvious with my children and with my spouse where we sit with that. But in the other things as well, uh, early on in my, uh, in my, when I was first full time in the parish, uh, I had the opportunity to coach football. Uh, I didn't need to coach football. So I was in a, I was in a good position where I didn't have to coach football for the money. It wasn't that type of co-vocational situation, but I did coach football, number one, because I, I love it and that's a lot of fun, but it was a need in the community. They needed a, a football coach. They were starting a new football program. They needed uh, uh, someone who could um, fill the role and do so uh, without a whole lot of funding. So it was on the other side of that. But moreover, for me, it was an opportunity for me to start building relationships with youth that I'd never be around otherwise and, and be able to be you know, their pastor if they didn't have one. And, and that paid off. So it's having that in mind that I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it because it's a bait and switch. I'm doing it because I can see the value in, in the Lord using this, all of these scenarios in my life 
to be able to witness uh, to the gospel of Jesus. And so it, I, that's why I really like that idea of co. Um, and maybe even uh, some of us might might view it more as multivocational, meaning it's all, there's so many that it's, um, they're all mingling together and, and they all are opportunities to do ministry. Very good. And we can talk more too. This isn't necessarily just employment for the mission developer, uh, it can be other streams of revenue that the new church plant can all work together on. And so the next topic I want to touch on is this isn't just the church worker. This isn't just the mission developer. And the mission developer you know, might not even be there at the beginning of a church plant. It can be uh, driven by good leadership of a core group. So what kind of leadership do you think is important for this kind of co-vocation? Well, and, and that, that's, I'm glad you went there because structurally you can, I mean, you can run the gamut. It really depends on how you want to plant the church, what kind of uh, opportunities you have in a particular community. Is it starting up a Bible study, you know, in a, in a local place or in a home? Is it uh, the opportunity to, uh, to, to maybe take over a space of an existing um, business or something that's empty, you know, whatever the case may be, or use some sort of civic uh, organization's uh, space. But so the structure could be all over the place. But what's going to be imperative is, especially for the co-vocational leader, uh, the co-vocational church planner, is that they are raising up good leadership that's going to be a part of the congregation that, or of the church plant that will be able to fill the voids and the gaps where um, it really, uh, honestly, not unlike we do in an existing congregation. I think sometimes we think it, it, there has to be something special, uh, and, and there's certainly special ways that you approach it, uh, but I think we want to have the same kind of, um, uh, if, if there were a visual here, I'm, I'm you know, 30,000 feet. Uh, we want to look down and, and things, we, we have these functions of ministry that need to happen. So we want to develop, train, uh, nurture leaders that can fill all of those gaps in their various vocations. So it's, yeah, you're right. It's not just the church worker, but we have uh, maybe some co-vocational lay leadership that, yeah, their day job is farmer. Their day job is uh, plant manager. Their day job is uh, uh, accountant, whatever the case may be. But, you know, that's where they're earning their living. But on the side, um, they're part of this church plant and they're raising up uh, other leaders so that all of the functions of mission and ministry that need to happen uh, based on your church plant plan uh, can, can function. And so it's it's kind of looking at this as a, a sort of a holistic kind of approach is that we're all in this kind of co-vocationally. And so you uh, you want to raise up those good leaders and the good pastoral and lay leadership that that can operate and and do those mission and ministry functions that make sense for the time and place that you're you're enacting them. Uh, and I, I think a lot of times we get kind of hung up on that, or or um, I think a, a maybe a pitfall is that especially if you've got a mission developer or a church planter, um, a common pitfall is he he thinks he's got to come in and do it all and fill all the functions. 
And especially with someone who's uh, using a co-vocational strategy where they have some other type of, uh, of funding stream to, to earn a living, um, they are just simply not going to be able to do it all. They might be able to sustain it for a little while, but I know, I know you've seen it, Steve, but I've, I've seen it as well. These guys go in and they're fantastic at it. They're, they are doing their day job. You know, they're working at Menards or they're working at, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, and they are going full steam ahead and they're leading an evening Bible study and it may be in their home and they're gathering some people, uh, or starting to gather them maybe for worship, but they burn out fast. And so you've got to be able to gather those leaders around you and, and entrust them with with some of the functions so that you can keep your focus on the main thing again. And that is that is um, making sure the ministry is doing what uh, the church should do. Very good. And you brought up Menards, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about some other ideas. What what types of co-vocations, Todd, do make sense then? I did make up Bonards because that's where my son has been working while he's in college. So that's what popped into my head first. But uh, <laughs> uh, they're also very flexible. So that's a, that's a good place. Yeah. So we, we've got these. Um, it, we're, again, it really depends on on the, the situation. But obviously, there's nothing wrong with with looking at a secular vocation. Uh, maybe it's a part time job uh, doing something that. Uh, that you have an aptitude to do that you're good at. So I know a lot of folks are, uh, you know, uh, co-vocational guys who are, uh, they're teaching. Uh, many of them are substitute teaching. So they have that flexibility where they're not necessarily, you know, tied down nine to five, but they can say, yes, I can do this today, but no, I can't do that tomorrow. Uh, and, and that's really helpful. Uh, being able to find some sort of secular position where there is some flexibility is awfully nice. Um, uh, and, and, and it can run the gamut, whatever you have an aptitude for. I know guys that have, have worked in lumber yards and I know guys that have done accounting. Uh, and, and so that's, that's, uh, I think that's a, a great direction to go. The other idea is that, um, Perhaps they can get involved in some other ancillary ministry. Uh, perhaps there's a nearby congregation that needs, um, uh, a vacancy pastor, or there's another congregation nearby that needs um, some sort of leadership or uh, visitation, uh, some type of other church work that can be done. Um, I know some guys who have gone in and filled in as um, not just teachers in Lutheran schools, but there's a nearby Lutheran school uh, that needs some leadership. And so they've gone in and really functioned as the principal of a Lutheran school for a while, uh, just simply because it was needed. And it gave them the opportunity then to continue the mission and ministry that they've been called to do in, in the other place. So uh, there's always that idea. And and there, I think we need to really take a look at, especially in, in this day and age, where a lot of congregations are trying to be more creative, if you will, in how they staff the mission and ministry of a congregation, that gives us an opportunity to look at, okay, how can we, how can you staff this and we still um, are, are able to, to work on this church plant uh, or this mission development over in this other place? Uh, and I think a lot of congregations are starting to look more creatively at that. And perhaps we don't need another full-time pastor, but we could use another pastor 
20, 30 hours a week. Uh, and the rest could be, you know, somewhere else or 10 or 15 hours a week, whatever the case may be so that they can make things work. And then, and then finally, you, you used the term earlier, uh, uh, entrepreneurial. If you are the entrepreneurial sort, and if you're being a church planner, you are the entrepreneurial sort. You, you have to be, uh, that has to kind of be in your DNA. Um, maybe you can, you can make that work. And whether it's, it's out of the church or, or in a more secular realm, that is all over the place. You start a business, you, you do something online, you're, you're developing something and there's, there's everything out there from, from guys who are, are, uh, you know, their family are, are, are developing or not developing, but producing, um, you know, vestments for guys, uh, all the way to, uh, coffee brewers and, uh, and other things like that. Maybe you, maybe you open up, uh, uh, some sort of business in the community and you can use that business that you open in the community as the stepping stone to get people involved in, in the ministry that you want to plant there. So I think, I think it just really runs the gamut. You just have to be creative enough to think, okay, what's going to work in this place for now and what could be developed out of it if we, if we are able to stick with the strategy that we develop. I think the, the key point is, in all of those as we have to be intentional and we have to plan it out. I don't want to just piecemeal. Well, I'm just going to go do this so that I can do this. Well, no, I want to say I'm going to go take this job because it's going to afford me the opportunity to be able to do these things for the church plan or the mission development. So I want to be strategic about it. I don't want to just say, well, again, like compartmentalize it. So I'm going to do this nine to five so that I can make a living and we can eat and pay the rent. And then I'm going to do the rest later. Now, how do they, how do they work together? How do they coexist and, and, um, and function to support one another? If that makes sense. It does make sense. And when I'm looking at your <laughs> categories, you know, when I think about the secular, um, there are a lot of new needs. You know, we're talking about COVID having an effect on the offering plate, but it also has brought up new needs. You know, people that need their groceries delivered and they need, you know, supplies. And so people that can't get out or are high risk, there there are new opportunities. And um, you're right. It's probably not as connected if you just did a DoorDash, but uh, something that's out there that might be new or even temporary to get through this COVID period where uh, congregations that are just starting are struggling, especially with, you know, the offering plate. But the other part of that, when you're talking about church worker, um, I was blessed uh, in my scenario. I could do things as a volunteer, but man, prison ministry, uh, women's shelter, oh. hospital, um, you know, there's Chapel yeah, chaplaincy of all sorts. Yeah, all kinds of ministry type things. I was very blessed to do it in a volunteer situation, but that was definitely co-vocation. I mean, that that was meeting people, uh, spiritual care. It was, you know, really connecting them and then having a, a opportunity to invite them to be a part of the church plant. So caring for the least was definitely a benefit for me in terms of ministry. Well, I think that's a really good point, Steve, because if, as we look at this, um, especially if we want to, if, again, if we're, if we're using the co-vocation to earn a living for now, that's fine, but it doesn't mean we ever want to stop doing that. Uh, and, and the co-vocation isn't necessarily to earn a living, but perhaps it's to get 
more training or to be better versed at, you know, maybe I do volunteer uh, with a hospice agency to learn hospice chaplaincy uh, type of techniques so that I can better serve the community that I'm being called to serve. So I think there's there's always what what can we do with an eye to to bettering ourselves and our ministry opportunities, um, you know, aside from just picking up the part time gig to, to make ends meet. There you go, Mark. Did you yeah, yeah, I was going to say, uh, I knew someone who was uh, doing church planting co-vocationally and was considering uh, owning a mattress store. And uh, so it was very entrepreneurial and he would be out in the community. But his concern was that, well, people only buy mattresses maybe once every 10 years. <laughs> and so he was, you know, maybe that's not the best because perhaps I need to be in a vocation where I'm able to build relationships a little little bit more often than when you when you would buy a mattress. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, if there's particular vocations where you are able to build those relationships a little bit better than than others. Yeah, I don't know why, Mark, but as soon as you said that, the 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 old uh, Mattress King commercial popped into my head, and I'm thinking, crazy Pastor Harry, our prices have never been so low. Come in, and I'll sell you a mattress and, and give you the gospel. Um, <laughs> that's a great picture in my head. But yeah, I think and, that's, and we have best mites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's a that's a great uh, consideration in that. Um, there are obviously going to be um, uh, areas where we have uh, uh, maybe better inroads into the community. So, yeah, if you've got somebody in there um, once every 10 years to buy a mattress. But that being said, you still have a presence in the community and and through through an, even an entrepreneurial situation like that where you don't have a a rotating customer base that's rapidly rotating, but it's over a time period. But you still would get involved in chamber of commerce. You still get involved in in some sort of uh, civic organization that that promotes the businesses in the community. And so I think you still have that opportunity to. Uh, and I don't want this to sound as crass as maybe it's going to sound, but to leverage that co-vocational opportunity into building relationships with others through which you can continue to do that church planning work, that developing that mission. And, and so I don't think, um, yeah, if you have the opportunity, if you opened up a, a coffee shop uh, you know, or a bakery or something like that, yeah, you're going to have a lot more repeat customers and that's going to be your opportunity to, to do that to develop those relationships. But it doesn't mean that a mattress store wouldn't work as well. You just look at, okay, this is this is where I'm going to earn the money, but I'm going to have to do some other things on the side, which I would do as a business owner anyway, and I can I can leverage that instead. And so I think just looking where we can where we can take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Todd. You know, um, like a mattress store, it may not be the customers, but Maybe you're going to be build, building relationships with your staff, and that's mm-hmm. something that's something we learned um, in my congregation. We started an early childhood center, and I mean the goal is okay. We're going to tell those kids about Jesus and connect with their parents, but we're also finding there's a lot of opportunity to connect with the staff we're hiring that aren't necessarily members of our church or any church, perhaps. You know, just because in, in the childcare field, uh, it's you know staffing can be one of the is clearly our greatest challenge. Oh yeah. You know, so we 
you know, so we have opportunities to build relationships with with them as well. And yeah. Show Christ's love. Yeah, and that's that's a. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned childcare because you know daycare, preschool, early learning centers. Those are places that most communities are in need of, and and they're they're great opportunity uh, entrepreneurial opportunities to uh, you know to do this very thing uh, to use that as a co-vocational uh, situation for uh, for mission development. Absolutely, very good. So what I'm hearing overall is that we need to have a really good solid ministry slash business plan and look at what are all the assets that the congregation has, you know, what facilities could we use for something, maybe even enterprising, what are the gifts and talents of the whole uh, core group that's doing this, and also the mission developer, and maybe they are entrepreneurial themselves and could get something started. I think you do need to consider uh, just like with any good plan, what are some of the pitfalls? So as you guys are talking about mattresses, I'm thinking, well, maybe you don't want to sell used cars because that's an easy way to have some sour relationships, right? So, yeah. you know, consider that. Make sure yeah. that you're planning. Yeah, yeah. You know, your planning is going to take all that into account. You know, again, co-vocational. Yeah, you might make big bucks selling used cars, but you also might turn a lot of people off. Um, but yeah, really taking a hard look at what are our gifts and our talents and our assets? How can we leverage uh, all the things that God has put before us and be good stewards of what we have? And then consider that into the bigger equation of how does this fit in with our outreach and our witness in a way that won't cause any kind of damaging relationships, but how we can utilize those built relationships to really bring other people into the life of the church. Does that sound right, Todd? Yeah, that's absolutely right. You, you really hit the nail on the head. Uh, we do want to consider you know, what type of relationships am I going to be, be able to build out of this at, with the, the least amount of, of uh, collateral damage, if it were. Uh, but yeah, to, and, but and the way where you started is, is so, you know, we can't reiterate that enough. You've got to have a good plan and, and a good plan. Uh, if you just try to shotgun it, it's, it's going to be frustrating for everybody involved. But if you develop a good plan and continue to develop that as things change, as the opportunities change, then you're going to be better positioned to, to make that church plan a success. Very good. And obviously city work too, there's quite a bit of entrepreneurial type activities going on. I'm helping with a social enterprise and, they were saying, hey, there's this thing that went out of business and we think we could step in and, you know, it'd be great for us and it'd tie into the ministry. And, you know, my only thought was, well, why did the first one fail? So, you know, <laughs> right. again, you want to really make sure that you're being good stewards, that you go into this with eyes wide open and you've considered all the factors that any other venture would have. But, you know, and of, of itself, a new start, it really is the beginning of a new organization, just like any other organization. And so I think that's why the planning is so critical to all of this. And if anybody needs assistance with that, um, I know Pastor Kolbaum and myself are more than happy to assist. And we really do want to encourage uh, as much as we can, especially in these difficult times, uh, more new ventures, new starts in ministry. And so anything that we can do to help, uh, starting with prayer, for sure. But the opportunity has never been greater. You know, there's never been more need uh, to 
be in new places among new people groups, bringing the good news in these dark, difficult days ahead. Um, just think of it in that terms, too, for new ventures. We've never had more opportunity than we do now. And so, uh, Todd, just really want to thank you for your time and your insights. And, uh, you know, again, uh, I know that you're a great resource for folks that are uh, considering this kind of planning. And, you know, any other things that you wanted to mention to the listeners? But no, I, I just really think, you know, take advantage of the resources that are out there. You know, Steve, uh, you guys have put together such fantastic resources. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Uh, take take uh, counsel and uh, direction from folks who have been down that road. Uh, there's lots of guys uh, who have who've done that, uh, and, and they can really give you good counsel. And I know, like you, Steve, you guys have some fantastic church planning resources, and, uh, and you know, don't try to go it alone. You, you, you mentioned first, begin with prayer, and, and then start to reach out to folks who can give you a hand. Very good. So the idea of planning, partnerships, collaborations, all are vital for our new starts. So we really encourage, uh, especially mother congregations, to start to consider where are those uh, you know, places where there isn't a strong Lutheran presence to bring the pure gospel to the people that are there? What are the new uh, groups of people that have come into the community that we can uh, build a new ministry around? So um, but don't go it alone and really start to think about who, who are the people that will come alongside that would want to help to fund your mission. Uh, you know, and that's part of the entrepreneurial side, too. A mission developer is one who can really tell the story well and bring other people on board that want to support that kind of ministry. Because there are plenty of people that are very interested in assisting and supporting and funding the mission. But all of it takes that good initial planning, all that takes good partnerships and collaboration. So thanks again, Todd, for being our guest today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thanks again, Mark, for helping me co-host. It is my pleasure. All right. And be sure to listen in uh, as we continue in our series of mission planning topics. And we will continue to bring on uh, really good subject matter experts to help you to get over those obstacles and to alleviate all those fears so that we can get back to planting new missions. Thanks and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.